I refuse refuse to pick one because if I have to pick one favorite to talk about, I'm going to think about it all through my life. Like, why did you pick that one and not all the others? And I'm going to feel really, really bad. So I refuse. I refuse to do that. So- Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Keep It Fictional. Today, I am your host, Fiona, and I am joined by Corrine, Sadie, Virginia, and Liz. And um, me and my book friends have a very exciting topic today that I think is very much in some of our wheelhouses and very much out of some of our wheelhouses. So I'm excited to see uh, how everyone did today. We are going to be talking about manga. Manga is, of course, Japanese comic books. And in North America, we use the word manga to refer specifically to the comic books. And then we differentiate cartoons with anime. I am of the generation where uh, anime and manga just flooded my childhood in the 90s and 2000s. We had Pokemon, Digimon, Sailor Moon. Uh, And while there was still uh, plenty of Japanese influence in cartoons and comics before that with Robotech uh, and all of those great things, uh, it really was a heyday in North America in the 90s and 2000s. So if this is new to you, sit tight. You're going to learn a lot. Of course, this is what might be considered at times to be a fad here, but it is an entire system of art in Japan. So really, as long as they keep translating, it is endless. We will always have new manga to read, which is awesome. And there are different genres of manga, and mainly they are categorized by gender and age. Sometimes that rubs me the wrong way a little bit, but... I have found it helpful. I know what kind of manga I like. When I was younger, I had a subscription to Shonen Jump, which is basically young boys manga. And that is where I started out with Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh, all that stuff. And then I discovered Shoujo, which is basically young girls manga. And that is filled with romance and sometimes magic. And despite being a very much a tomboy, uh, at a certain point when I discovered shoujo, I put away shonen and I loved shoujo. Sailor Moon, I mean, oh, it's just so dreamy. And then recently, in the last couple of years, I discovered Josai, which is women's manga. So, um... There's an outdated idea in North America that comics are for children. In Japan, it's very much not like that. They are for all ages. Um, And so while these Josai uh, manga sort of focus a bit on romance and things like that, they're very much um, older, older than the shoujo manga. And there's, of course, adult men's manga. 
And then there is also children's manga, Pokemon, or things about cats often. <laughs> so there is something out there for everyone. Of course, there are subgenres, and I'm going to talk about one of those with my book. But without further delay, let's get our book friends in here. What I want to hear is how did you come to manga? Is it a recent thing for you? Is it a lifelong love? How long have you been reading? Where did you start? Hmm. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. So yeah, I actually had no exposure to it until I went to university because I grew up in a very small uh, northern Albertan town and there was just no access to stuff like that. We didn't have cable, so I don't know any Pokemons. I don't know about any Digimons, but I kind of encountered it when I came to university and a friend, my friend Rhonda introduced it to me. And ever since then, I have been manga trash. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I've been to conventions. um, I've watched all the shows. I, I love it. So ever since about beginning of university to quite frankly, today at 1010 when we're recording is how long I have been reading uh, Manka for. The exact opposite. A uh, much different uh, journey with manga. I definitely, I loved Sailor Moon. I loved anime Sailor Moon. I was obsessed with as a child. My journey with reading manga started when Virginia put the topic in for this week um, that said manga series. So I reached out to my wonderful book friends to ask them for suggestions. So I did receive some suggestions. So I have now currently read three, I've read three um, individual manga books, Uh, but that is my, it's a very short, short journey so far. I'm not sure if it will continue to be hundred percent honest with you. It might, it might end here. And I think that that is okay as well. Um, I've always loved comics, but I think we are slightly uh, different ages, Fiona. So back, back when I was a child, there weren't a lot of translations for um, comics coming from Asia, including manga from Japan. Yeah. I, I do remember this Chinese comic called Lao Fuzi. And it was like very wordless. So it was kind of like a gateway into comics. Everybody kind of, I guess, in my generation, uh, knew at least on site who Doraemon is, that blue cat with the flying propeller hat thing. And that's an example of a manga character. But somewhere along the way, I guess, when the library started getting shoujo beat and shonen jump, like you were saying, that whole surge of translated work coming in and and that kind of, I think, was the revival for me of comics from places other than North America. And of course, growing up in Hong Kong, that's the only thing I know. There's no other things. So they're mostly anime. Don't have a lot of the books yet. They're all translated, but I never got my hands on them. But cartoons for me is Japanese anime. Basically, that is what it is that we watch every day after school. So, you know, growing up with those and Lots of feelings, but I would ne- never grow out of Shonen Jump, not growing out of it ever. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Uh, it's exciting to hear when people come to any kind of comics for me. Um, just, you know, to reiterate that point that you can come to them at any age. <laughs> All right, Kareem, I cannot wait to hear what you have picked for your choice. Uh, This was a, again, another nightmarish struggle of trying to choose one series or one book out of 
as you rightfully said, there is so much out there for a variety of audiences on a variety of topics. So I kind of wobbled, like, did I want to talk about a meticulously researched and beautifully illustrated historical romance like Emma? Did I want to go back to like my roots and talk about Fruits Basket, the original OG love of my life? Uh, Did I want to talk about a new fantasy series that I think is one of the most gorgeously illustrated of all time, which had Atelier? Or did I want to talk about something recent and fun like Princess Jellyfish? Oh, I, I, I struggled on all of my choices, but eventually I landed on a series that I think is kind of groundbreaking. And I think that even if you aren't into manga that you might really appreciate what it's doing in the story that it's trying to tell. And so this is a new series by Kato Gaku, which is Boys Run the Riot. And this is pretty revolutionary in that it is the story of a trans teen being told by a trans author. And it is a fantastically told story that just kind of drags you in from the first pages. You are absolutely there with your main character. So Ryo is in his second year of high school and every day is a struggle for him. Every day he has to wear clothes that don't really represent who he is on the inside. Every day he is misgendered at school. Every day his mom is asking him, why can't he be more girly or more feminine? And every day the kids in his school constantly are asking him questions that he doesn't really want to answer them. So the only kind of reprieve or passion that he can find outside of school is in fashion. He loves street fashion, loves going to all like the little secondhand shop, all the pop-up shops, trying to find the best and newest thing. He finds that through fashion, he can really express who he is on the inside. And while he is poking into one of these little pop-up shops in a back alley, he sees someone from school and they happen to be reaching for the same shirt at the same time. And Ryo is not thrilled to see Jin. Jin Sado is a new kid in school. He kind of has what we could call a bully's physique. He's bigger, a little bit more rugged. Everyone at school is a little afraid of him because he seems a little bit rough around the edges, a little loud, a little brusque. And Ryo pretty much looks at him and thinks, cool, another new bully at school. Can't wait. But as soon as their hands kind of reach for the same t-shirt, Jin looks at Ryo and says, oh, you're into street fashion too? Fantastic. Well, we should be friends and we should start our own fashion brand like you do. And what goes from there, whether Ryo wants to or not, is that Jin is pulling him into making his own fashion brand. Ryo is an artist. He loves to do graffiti and Jin really likes his style. And strangely enough, even though this guy kind of looks like someone who really doesn't understand him or couldn't empathize with him, Ryo finds himself sharing his true self with this kind of strange, rough, boisterous, clueless guy. And they start forming a real friendship. And although Jin makes mistakes and doesn't really understand what's going on with Ryo's struggle, he's there to listen. And he's there to support in his weird 
loud way. And what is kind of developing is a beautiful coming of age story because Ryo isn't just accepting himself. And there is that, that wonderful narrative of him discovering how to be true to himself. It's also about Ryo discovering his passion. It's about him deciding about what he wants to do in his future, taking an interest in street fashion and maybe transforming it into something more. It is a wonderful, nuanced, beautifully drawn story. I cannot recommend it enough. So far, there are two volumes. I think the third one is coming out soon. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful story. And you will find yourself just cheering for Ryo and Jin as they make all the wrong fashion choices and all the right friendship choices. Ah, oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> I want to read it right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, Kareen. Um, and just made me think of uh, Wandering Sun. If you're looking for another great yeah, book about trans kids in Japan. Okay, uh, let's move on to see. I'm, I can't wait to he- see what Sadie picked because I know this was tough for you and we appreciate you uh, always expanding into new things. So, so let us know how it went. So as I said, I reached out to my book friends, desperately asking for some recommendations because I had no idea even where to start with this topic. And not surprisingly, probably maybe a little surprisingly, because I think based on Fiona's description, this is possibly touted as men's adult men's manga. But not surprisingly, I picked the one that has a cat in it. Uh, Manga I'm going to be talking about is a man and his cat by Umi Sakurai. And uh, this is just an absolutely touching, sweet, heartwarming story. It starts off in a pet store with this kind of older, not the cutest cat ever surrounded by all of these adorable kittens. And one by one, people come into the store and pick these kittens to to buy and to adopt and this this cat is is left there all by themselves all alone not thinking that anyone is ever going to buy him he has no name at this point and he's just kind of this round big i think adorable um pet but just not as cute as some of the other kittens that are in this pet shop and that is until this older man comes in, kind of this middle-aged man comes in and says, that is the cat I want. That is the one that I want. And the pet store owner is like, are you sure that that's the one you want? Like, if you're buying this for someone else, this might not be what they are wanting. He's like, nope, it is for me. And that is the cat that I want. So he takes this cat home. And this story is just the forefront. It is about the relationship between the man and and this cat. As you kind of go through the story, you learn that something happened in this man's past and they don't um, necessarily say exactly what it is at this point. Um, Something tragic happened. He lost someone or some, a couple of people very close to him. Um, You kind of get the idea that at one point he, he had a family, he had a wife, he had a child and they are no longer there. And it just kind of, the story continues and, tells of this bond that forms between the man and his cat 
and it, it kind of was a little bit reminiscent of the Traveling Cat Chronicles. I think just in the way that you get the perspective from the cat as well. And so you kind of see see what the cat is going through as well as what this this man is experiencing. Um, he's He has to try to explain at one point to a friend of his why this cat is so great, why he has this connection to the cat. And the friend just doesn't get it. He's like, well... I don't understand. Like I have a, I think he has a dog and I don't get why, why this cat is so great. Um, and so it's just kind of this beautiful, sweet story. At one point they uh, open up this room where at first the cat is not allowed. And then later on is where um, you learn that that's where this man's piano is. And he starts to play this music and the cat kind of starts to, to try and try and join in and in the, the best way that cats know how to, which is usually the most disruptive and sometimes most destructive way um, to join in to, to the music and to the conversation. But yeah, it was just this really sweet story. Um, I'm pr- I probably cried at the end, which doesn't take a lot right now, but um, <laughs> I probably did. So if you're, if you're just like looking for this, a, a truly touching story, just something that you can kind of read through and be like, that was so nice. That was so sweet. Um, I haven't read the rest of the series. I imagine that it would, it will probably get into a bit more about the man's past and sort of that tragedy that led him to this place in his life. But, uh, but it it just starts out really great. And you, the cat is so sweet. It's just, and if you have a cat, it's just this wonderful kind of thing where you recognize these, these things that the cat does like, oh yeah, yeah, no, mine does that too. Mine does that too. Um, so yeah, so if you're looking for something just really sweet and touching and that just kind of makes you feel really good about life, if you are a cat person or if you're not, um, there's humor in it. There's there's kind of those really touching moments as well. So that was A Man and His Cat by Umi Sakurai. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sadie. Yeah, I feel like the whole thing is sort of like, um, it's like, you know, those cat memes where you're like, Oh, yeah, my cat totally does that. I get that. Plus, like, just a lovely relationship and backstory. You know, you get both in one. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's move on to Liz. Liz, What did you pick for today? Actually, I know what you picked. I'm super excited about it. Maybe I'll grab you and talk to you about it after (laughs) the podcast. That is always welcome. Excellent. Uh, So I decided to talk about a series that uh, really captured me, surprisingly. Every time we get in a new manga series, I kind of want to just at least read that first volume and see what it's about. And I didn't expect this one to kind of grab me and compel me to want to read every single volume. And Five or six volumes in, I can tell you that I'm still enjoying it. I am still laughing, like literally laughing out loud at least several times during each volume, which is sort of unheard of. Anyways, probably tell you what it is. This one is called The Weight of the House Husband, and it is done by Kosuke Uno. On the cover here of volume one, we have a rather sinister looking man with sunglasses, black shirt, black suit jacket, and also an apron with a cartoon Shiba Inu on it. Hmm. Well, it turns out that this house husband actually is a former Yakuza boss. I guess in North American vernacular, Yakuza is like uh, a gang, like the mafia, that kind of thing. So 
people you don't want to cross. And his Yakuza boss name happens to be the Immortal Dragon. So he is a very feared man in his small Japanese town. Now, his name is Tatsu, and Tatsu is married to Miku, and she is a salary woman. So a bit of a role reversal. So Tatsu has left the life of the Yakuza. He has decided to become a house husband while Miku goes to work at the office. And of course, hijinks ensue because Tatsu is very much a fish out of water. However, he has a lot of passion for everything that he does. So everything that he takes on, he gives it 110% and he refuses to fail. As a house husband, his daily challenges now include how to get his wife her bento lunch that she forgot at home after she's gone to work. How does he get the best deals on the groceries and the household goods? He's not going to let any shop out there pull one over on him. No, he's going to get the best deals. He also runs into other former Yakuza, including one that has now started a crepe truck. And these two have a beef going way back. And of course, now that they're both not Yakuza, they're not going to let that go. Oh, no, 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 no. However, instead of pulling knives on each other or beating each other up, he gets into various battles. These could include cook-offs. These could include creating recipes. It could include a rap battle on the street in front of all of the other housewives in the neighborhood to see who reigns supreme. He's motivated. He is passionate. And he is not going to let anything stop him from being the best dang house husband that he can be. He even has a Yakuza underling from his past come and run into him and think, wow, boss, whatever you're doing, I want to be doing too, because you just seem like you're on top of it. Like you are my sensei and I'm going to follow you to the ends of the earth. Um, So lots of hijinks that ensue, sometimes silly, but always really heartwarming, I got to say. Virginia, let me know that this is now also a limited Netflix series that's been um, translated uh, or dubbed from Japanese or subtitled. So curious to see what that looks like. But totally charming if you're looking for a slice of life manga that has comedy, that has warmth and a good heart at the base of it all. And also maybe a little bit of action. So again, that's The Weight of the House Husband, and that's by Kosuke Ono. Thank you, Liz. And I do want to endorse the Netflix show um, because the the author actually worked on it. The creator actually worked on it. And they use like basically stills from the comic and then animate them, which sounds really awful. But it's so good because it just creates such a good uh, like you know, direct translation of the actual comic. And because the comedic timing is so funny, like it's really great to see in real time. Yeah, like it's it's the most direct interpretation uh, I have seen of a manga. So I highly recommend that on Netflix. There's also the live action one that's also on Netflix, but it's just like short, like five, 10 minutes of him like cooking and doing all the things like you described. It is 
actually also pretty good. And the food always looks so good. <laughs> oh, thank you, Liz. All right, let's move to Virginia. What did you pick today? All right. So I refuse, refuse to pick one because if I have to pick one favorite to talk about, I'm going to think about it. All through my life, like why did you pick that one and not all the others? And I'm gonna feel really, really bad. So I refuse. I refuse to do that. So instead, I'm just gonna tell you about the one that I read recently that I enjoy that the library has, and that is that. Unlike I think most of my book friends probably, I like I mentioned, I think Fiona has a really good point. Like the yes, they do divide these like manga up into different so-called age groups and different by gender. But I think it's also about like sort of the type of story. And I am firmly like a shonen jump manga person, and that helps me to see what I should read. Not interested in the other ones most of the time. I have got for you Spy Family, and it is by Tatsuya Endo. This series, I think, has very similar to Liz in some ways. It has all the elements that I love about stories in manga, and that I feel like they're often quite unique to manga stories because they are all the ones that has these over-the-top, ridiculous premise and plot lines. And when you describe it, it just sounds so ludicrous. But somehow, somehow, it manages to have all these very touching, tender moments, and it is always about this. Never give up attitude. No matter what kind of odds are stacked against you, just don't ever give up. And I really appreciate that type of persistence. And a lot of times, the characters don't have the talent. They're not like magical. They don't have these magical talents. But it's just somehow because they work so hard that they get what they want, and they just won't give up on themselves. They don't give up on their friends. They don't give up on their families. So there's just something very appealing about that. So this story, Spy Family, is set in two countries. Was Dallas and Ostania, and they have this very fragile political relationship. They're not quite at war per se, but there's something brewing, and so to find out what the other side is doing, they are waging a war of information. They're trying to uncover these secret plans. They're trying to gather intel. They're trying to keep tabs on one another. And when we're talking about collecting information secretly, of course, we're talking about spying. And if we talk about spies, we have to talk about a agent with the code name Twilight. He is the master of disguise. He is the best of the best, and he can assume any identity to pry into all your secrets. And he has never failed his country yet. But his upcoming mission is going to be a little different, and probably. A bit more challenging because he cannot just rely on his own ingenuity. He has to depend on two other people, and we know that spies generally like to work alone. So his mission is to get close to one Donovan Desmond, the leader of a political party in Ostania, to find out what he is up to. They know he's plotting something, but they don't know what. So it is Twilight's job to figure that out. But the problem is, Desmond is a little bit of a recluse. He doesn't like to make public appearances, except they know that he will go to events at his son's school. 
His son goes to the Eden Academy. And of course, it is no ordinary school. We're talking about a prestigious elite academy that only accepts the top tiers in society. They value intellect, they value tradition, and above all, they value elegance. So in order to get close to Desmond, Twilight will have to pose as Loy Forger, a psychiatrist, and a loving father of a student in the same school. Which means before he starts his mission, he has to find himself a child and a wife and start a pretend family. Now, finding a child, he thinks, ah, that's not too difficult. I will go and adopt one from the orphanage. So he went to this like kind of shady orphanage and he's like, give me the brightest child that you have. And they took him to six-year-old Anya. She impressed Twilight right away because in that span of a few minutes, she actually managed to complete a whole crossword puzzle in the newspapers. Oh, such superior intellect, Twilight thought. Like, this is the one. This is the, the kid who's going to get into that academy. But as he was taking her home, Twilight is like, I don't know what to do with this creature. Like, what am I supposed to do? And also, Anya started acting more like what you expect a child would act like. And he has absolutely no experience dealing with it. So he's like, did I pick the right child? He, she's acting like a kid. Like, is she going to be able to help me out? So she's trying to figure this out. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I'll just go home, read some books, and then I'll know all about parenting. I can do it. So child acquired. But finding a pretend wife is going to be a little bit more difficult. I mean, he's got files and files of all these unmarried women that he got from the city hall. So he can, he's going through all of them. He's trying to find like, well, who will be willing to like pretend marry me and pretend to be the wife so that we can go to the school together. And as he was pondering this problem, you know, he was watching Anya getting measured by a tailor so that she can have some presentable clothes to attend the academy. A woman walks into the store. And until she started talking, Twilight didn't even notice that she was there. And that has never happened because Twilight is a spy. She's constantly aware of all his surroundings. So how can this woman sneak up on him? So he was very, very surprised. And in looking at her, she's like, he recognized her from one of the files. And it's like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is the person. And so they got to talking and it turns out that the woman also needs a pretend boyfriend. Her name is Yor, and she is a city hall clerk, and she has agreed to go to a work party. And she said, oh, I'll bring my boyfriend, because they keep making fun of her for being awkward, for being in the late 20s and still doesn't have a boyfriend. And, you know, her co-workers are just thinking like, you know, there's something wrong with you. So she's like, oh, no, no, I have a boyfriend. I'll bring him to the party. So now Yor has a need for a pretend boyfriend, and Twilight has a need for a pretend wife, so they figure, perfect, we will just pretend, you know, we'll trade. And so now as a family, their first mission is to go past the Eden Academy's grueling entrance exam. And he'll have to find a way to train them to be this elegant family, to be a family that goes to opera over the weekend, to be a family that go eat at fancy restaurants, and of course, try to figure out what kind of questions would this Eden Academy ask Anya so that they can pass the exam. But that is not quite it yet. Because the thing is, Lloyd is not the only one with a secret. 
unbeknownst to him, Anya is actually a test subject in a secret science experiment, and she has telepathy, so she can actually tell what Lloyd is thinking. So constantly, she's like, "Ah, oh, Papa is lying again. He's making this up." So sometimes she would hear Lloyd thinking about, "Oh, you know, like." Maybe maybe the enemy will attack, and she'll be like, oh, "Enemy attack!" And she'll like hide under the table. But lawyer's like, "What are you doing on the table?" He doesn't know that she can hear all his thoughts. And not only that, Yor is also not quite the person you think she is. Yeah, she does work at the city hall. That is true. But her side gig is an assassin. Her code name is Thorn Princess, and she is super super deadly. And so. When you think about it, the only kind of transferable skill that she has from assassin to mother slash wife is cleaning. She's very good at that because as an assassin, often you have to clean a lot of stuff. So she is trying to learn also to be、uh, like a mother and a wife. I find like it was the same with Liz. You know, like I also don't. I mean, maybe I do often, but like I definitely laugh out loud a lot at this comic. Like you know, I just—it's such a great comedy. You know, you watch like Lloyd trying to figure out how to deal with kids. You watch you're trying to figure out how to deal with kids. You watch Anya trying to like keep this fake family together because she doesn't want to go back to the orphanage. And it's just so cute watching the three of them trying to get to know each other, trying to become a family. And of course, because we get all three points of view, and they all like end up doing weird things that the other. People don't understand because they all have a secret identity. So it's just like really, really fun, but also very heartwarming at the same time. So if you enjoy something like that, please do check out Spy Family by Tatsuya Endo. Thanks so much, Virginia. I love a good fish out of water story and also the fake boyfriend trope. Two excellent tropes. <laughs> Okay,、um, I'm going to share my book now, and it re- requires a little bit of context. I am going to be talking about BL Metamorphosis、uh, by Kauri Surutani, and this book is a gentle, lovely story about an older woman and a high school girl. However, they bond over something a little bit irregular. The BL stands for boys' love, and this is a subgenre of manga about men loving men, basically. Now, I want to preface this by saying that I find it to be a little bit of a problematic subgenre, even though I really enjoy it,、um, because it's often written by women for women. There's not. There's always there can be like a slippery like slope with consent. There's usually an, a very effeminate、uh, man and then a, a very masculine man, and that's sort of how things go. So if you are looking for gay uh, manga, uh, I don't really recommend Boys Love. It's more an escapist sort of genre. However,、um, this book is actually just boys' love adjacent because it is about Ichinoi and Yurara who bond over their love of boys' love manga. Yurara works in a comic book store, and she's a character I was really drawn to. She's in high school, and she's messy. She's never put together. She's always sleeping and eating,、uh, and all she wants to do is read manga in bed. She tends to be kind of secretive about 
what kind of manga she reads. She doesn't necessarily want everyone to know that she reads Boys Love. One day, Ichinoi stumbles into her store, and she is a 75-year-old woman, and I think she asks for a recommendation and ends up with a Boys Love manga. She devours it and just loves the sweet relationship between these two boys between the pages. So she comes back for more. When she comes back to the store, she strikes up a conversation with Yurara and they end up sharing some uh, manga. She brings her some from her own private collection. Uh, They meet for tea and discuss the latest issue and what each mangaka is working on. It's really delightful. I love intergenerational relationships, uh, friendships. And Ichinoi has lost her husband at some point in time. And I really love that in these stories, she finds memories of him. She validates them in this way where it makes them think of her husband, how he was stubborn, how he was kind. She doesn't dismiss them or question the fact that they're gay relationships. And then, like I said, I really like Yurara as well. She's just kind of a mess, which is totally fine when you're in high school, but she's having this opportunity to come out of her shell a little bit with Ichinoi. And she is also dealing with a sort of love triangle, which is not something I always love, but as like a not super feminine character. It's interesting. I think it's not like a direct aspect of the story, but you get to see her navigate gender a little bit as a sort of more tomboyish character. It's really slow and gentle. Uh, Most manga is, I can't think what the word is, but like comes out in chapters in in like magazines. So often that kind of creates like a like slower story, or at least those are the ones that I guess I gravitate towards. Um, So this is just like gentle and affirming. But then I like that it's kind of a bizarre draw uh, because it's about this intergenerational friendship that really revolves around their mutual love of boys love manga. I think, you know, maybe, maybe wouldn't recommend it to like new manga readers. I think like if you have that context, maybe that's enough because it's not really about boys love. It's really about their relationship. But yeah, to have that context is certainly helpful. And again, that is by Kauri Surutani. So thank you so much for joining us today. I know this is something that I'm very passionate about, but don't always talk about a lot. And like Virginia, I had a hard time picking and I kind of like just want to shout a bunch of titles at you right now, but I'm going to control myself. I had a lot of fun today and I hope that you maybe learned something new or got some new titles to check out. Thank you to my book friends for joining me today. We will see you all next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm